1: Learn more at marines.com.
0: Hi, hey, Mets fans. Welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian, and after a brief interlude, back with me is Chris McShane. Chris, we have breaking news here. Earlier this afternoon, the Mets made a trade. It appears it will be their only trade of the trading deadline day, and that is to trade their center field prospect, Pete Crow Armstrong, to the Chicago Cubs for Javier Baez, who is a name that had been floated for a while as a, a Mets trade target, and Trevor Williams, a pitcher whose name had not been uh, touted for too much as a as a deadline deal for the Mets. Um in a, in a vacuum how do you feel about these this trade do you do you like the moves are you going to uh be mad whenever i use eat crow as a headline whenever the cubs beat the <laughs> mets from now on or or what
1: uh, it'll be a little while it'll um, be a long while yes <laughs> yeah yeah just mainly because uh, crow armstrong had the shoulder surgery this year so that is a significant delay in, in his development. But, uh, but yeah, overall, I, I like this trade. Uh, I think it's a fair return. I don't, I don't think the Mets got fleeced or anything. Um, Baez has never been my, my favorite kind of hitter, but he is still a valuable one. Um, I don't know. When, if you're going to have a low batting average, make all your hits home runs. Uh, I say, and, and that's, hmm. that's who he is. <laughs> it's, it's very much an all or nothing, uh, approach. I'm sure, uh, some people tire of it and there might be some big spots where it doesn't work out well and some other ones where it does. So, you know, we, we know the kind of hitter he is. We know he had, um, said earlier this week that pretty much the only scenario where he'd want to play second base is if he was playing next to Francisco Lindor. And, uh, if they're both healthy at the same time, uh, bias is not really dealt with much in the way of injuries, but the way this Met season has gone, you never know. Uh, but if they're both healthy at the same time, slide them over to second base and, and you should get some pretty excellent defense, uh, and you know, good amount of home runs from, from two good defenders in the middle infield. So, um, that, that should work out nicely. We know Howie rose tweeted that Lindor, uh, was very happy when he heard the news and let out a scream out on the field at city fields, um, this afternoon. So uh, I'm happy for him. And in in, in a bubble, it's, it's exciting. Um, Trevor Williams does nothing for me, but he's probably better than Jared Eickhoff. Definitely better than Jared Eickhoff. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it, on that end, he's fine. um, Getting him in the deal too, okay, cool, you know. But uh but yeah, Baez obviously is the centerpiece of all of this, and uh he, he wouldn't have been my top pick of the players the Cubs traded away today, which was pretty much everything else that was left <laughs> of, of that core of that team. Uh, by the uh, way, the Cubs are playing the Nationals tonight, yeah. and neither team's gonna have any
0: people to play on the field since they both traded their entire systems
1: yeah yeah i know and the, with the nationals covid situation having popped up again this week um although they did trade away um trey turner who who was one of the players who was affected by that but still it, it's uh, yeah uh for fantasy baseball purposes those lineups tonight might be a little bit ugly with with a lot of significant players out of there
0: yeah so here here is my bias take um I mean, obviously, he is a talented player. I do not want to besmirch the good name of Javi Baez. I just don't know what he necessarily does for the Mets right now. Like, okay, so I, I don't think that... I mean, obviously, he's a better defender than anyone the Mets will put at second base. Although Luis Guillerme is a fine second baseman as well. And uh, the VR is not a bad second baseman. But, you know, regardless, they're getting... Better defensively, especially when Lindor is back and he's a second base. They are also getting a home run threat, as you mentioned, but also a major strikeout presence in the lineup. And this team already strikes out a fair amount, and so I'm not super thrilled about that. So I don't know. Obviously, Baez is going to be a net positive over whatever person he was. He's he is taking the spot of on the roster. That said, I do not know if the spot... I don't know if what he brings to the roster improves the team more than, say, a marginal relief pitcher would have, who would have certainly cost less than Pete Crow Armstrong. So it's, it's just... It's, its I feel somewhat conflicted about this deal because of that reason. Because I just don't know if it's necessarily a huge upgrade for the Mets in any area that they needed a substantial upgrade. You know, I I think that if they had improved the bullpen, if they had made a splash and gotten a a frontline starting pitcher, all of those things would address my bigger concerns to the Mets than what I'm currently, than what what I think the return actually brought back. Uh, Do I seem
1: crazy for that thought? Well, n- no. Uh, I I think the thing that Baez brings, though, uh, is just it's purely home runs. Um, now he's second on the Mets with twenty two. Pete Alonso is the only Met who has more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think that's sort of the the thing. You know, when you look at like the the slash line or weighted runs created plus or OPS plus or anything, yeah, you know, it he looks a little more interchangeable. But, uh, but yeah, I guess that, that would be the thing that stands out, is that for, for all his flaws um, as a hitter, mainly chasing pitches, strikeout rate, that kind of thing, um, you know, he's, he's second on the Mets in home runs now and has twice as many as third and fourth, uh, which is Lindor and Smith. Sure. So, you know, in that sense, if Conforto was normal right now, um, you know, I mean, it, it, some of these guys have hit for more more power, either if they've been healthier, whether, you know, J.D. Davis, uh, in his case, Dom Smith has hit for some power, uh, obviously, but but not a ton. So it, it, there's a little bit more of that threat that, you, you know, if this guy comes up, he can change the game for you. Um, you know, Pete Alonzo is the better overall hitter, uh, and it's not even really close, but just a little more of that power threat. And look, if if Davis stays healthy and hits and and has and finds playing time, which might not happen now, but uh, you know, if it's him or if it's Conforto who who kind of get into that groove where they are an intimidating hitter to to face, um, then the line the lineup starts to look a little more threatening. It it is weird, you know, coming into the season where you're like, oh wow, this lineup is great top to bottom, but it has overall struggled to score so many runs right um and you would assume uh, alonzo is the only one who you would think might hit 50 home runs in a year but you would assume a couple of these guys would hit 25 to 30 fairly easily and right, and right now um you know maybe Lindor gets there but that's going to be tough he might get to 20 um you know by the time he's back from his injury and and plays the last somewhere between four and six weeks of the regular season, maybe seven. Um, You know, if the Mets get lucky with the season going into very early October. So, so yeah, but I I think the overall point is a good one. Um, I think this was still uh, doing nothing would have been a complete downer. Um, You know, they made one move today uh, that I think, bring some excitement and does something for the team, but it was still not a wonderful day overall. Like (laughs) look, if everyone's healthy has been sort of the hypothetical thing for the Mets, uh, especially when it comes to pitching for a very long time. Yes. So you would think you, you might've learned a lesson from that. And, and look, if Barrios was too crazy a price. Okay. That's fine. But, um, There were other guys out there. Some moved, some didn't. But there were other guys out there that you could have maybe filled in the back of the rotation. And, uh, you know, the bullpen had someone named Akeem Bostic in it last night. Um, (laughs) Jared Eikhoff has made multiple starts after being designated for assignment multiple times. It's not like these are you know, uh, I'm using the word hypothetical again, but it's not like it's, uh, oh, what if I cough and, and these relievers who nobody's ever heard of have to pitch innings. That has already happened. Right. So I don't know what, exactly what role they envisioned for Trevor Williams. Um, but look, they're certainly in a better place with with their pitching staff overall with Rich Hill and Williams on board, but that's it. They can't add anybody else the rest of the way. Um, not Not by a trade anyway, you cool. know? Let's talk starting pitching for a second here. So let's let's
0: pretend for a second that Degrom is still a few weeks away. Tonight they get Carlos Carrasco for the first time, taking the hill as a Met out of spring training. They get and then from there the rotation is is somewhat set. You got Rich Hill, you have um, Taiwan Walker, Marcus Stroman, and Tyler McGill. Where do you put Williams in there? Who gets bumped from Williams, or do they convert Williams into a bullpen arm? I don't know Williams' stuff well enough to know if that makes sense for him to be a bullpen arm. But I don't I don't necessarily—like, looking at the numbers, and again, I have not seen Trevor Williams pitch a lot, especially not this year, but I don't know if Trevor Williams is an upgrade over any of those guys right now. Now, if one of them goes down, I'd rather have Trevor Williams as the guy to take the innings than Jared Eikhoff. But right. do you, do you think he gets starts right now?
1: Immediately, no. I, unless they were to transition to a, a six man rotation right away, or unless Taiwan Walker is dealing with some kind of injury, and, and they can now nail him, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, I I don't know. I mean, Walker maybe he just turned into a pumpkin, but I <laughs> I kind of doubt it. I I thought his first half was legitimate. Uh, Same, you know. And he was deserving of the all-star nod and, and all that. And and look, his start last night was not great, but it was definitely an improvement over the, the two really bad ones that preceded it. Um, but, yeah, I, I would guess Williams has just a handful of relief appearances in his major league career, most of which came uh, when he was a rookie mm-hmm. uh, back in 2016. Not even his rookie season. You know, his his cup of coffee. 2016, right. and then he had one
0: in his rookie season. No, I'm sorry, no, he had looks like he had six in his rookie season.
1: Yeah, but yeah, you're, I guess there's two ways you could play it. We, you know, slot him in as a multi inning relief guy, and and see how that goes, and see if the stuff plays up. Assuming the other pitchers who we we named are all healthy right now, uh, and then if it works. Stick with that, and and you got something uh, with him, and uh, and if not, well, okay. <laughs> I, I mean, he, he was he was the kicker for the trade, right? He wasn't,
0: he was not the reason the Mets made the trade. So right. he, he's providing you with some depth. I don't know if he has any options left. He does have options, according to Fangraphs. Uh, that would kind of be a ballsy move, though, <laughs> um, <laughs> to trade him and instantly dump him at the minors.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I think I think given what the the back end of that bullpen or or the front end, I guess, um, looks like, you know, they've been carrying Drew Smith, Yenzi Diaz. You know, mentioned Bostic a few minutes ago. Um, there's there's room for him right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but but absolutely. you know, if it, if it really came down to it that like, oh, we tried him in the bullpen, and that didn't work out. He he does have options. I believe he does not have enough service time to deny a minor league assignment. So What is the uh what is the criteria for that? I think it's 5 years.
0: He's been in the majors for for 6 now. 6 se- This is his 6th season.
1: Yeah, but But it, I don't think he's it, accrued it,
0: enough playing time.
1: Right and enough days on the major league roster. Right. Um, so yeah, but, like like we've said, you know he's he's fine. It'll be nice to have around. Um, but uh, there's a there's a heavier reliance on health here now, yes. and uh, I mean, look, I guess you, you can make the argument that well, if Degrom and Carrasco and Syndergaard... And somebody else aren't healthy, nothing was gonna happen anyway, but um that's still somewhat of a cop out, you know. It's a hundred percent of a cop out, yeah. <laughs>
0: um you know, I I think that I think that the team like, the job at the deadline is to look at your team and to see what potential missteps may come and to fix those, right? To do your best to plug whatever holes the team has. And, again, I don't think that this is necessarily... I don't think these are bad trades. I do not want to give the impression that I think these are bad trades. I don't believe that. But I just feel like if you're looking at the team's holes, I don't know if either of these guys necessarily uh, f- fill those holes. You know, that's just. It's, I guess that's my bigger thing. It just seems like this isn't the draft where the attitude is always you take the best player available, right? I don't think that necessarily makes as much sense for the trade deadline. You know what this reminds me a lot of, actually? This reminds me a lot of when the Mets got Jay Bruce in 2016, where it was a guy that's like, oh, yeah, I I guess Jay Bruce makes sense for the Mets, but there wasn't like an obvious fit for him. Mm. And then the Mets extended Jay Bruce, and he continued to be a puzzling figure for the rest of his time. I hope that's not the Javi Baez story. I hope that he is not then extended and continues to not have a great fit on this team.
1: Well, I mean, if they extend him, I think he's just the second baseman. You know, they have um, they
0: have to make that they have to make that clear. Yes, he has to be the second baseman if they extend him.
1: Yeah, and and in that case, then okay, maybe McNeil moves to the outfield full time or moves to third. Right, moves to third full time. I mean, at some point, if the DH does not become universal which would be surprising mm-hmm. I think then you got to do something with one of JD or Dom um, as much as I like having depth um, I don't know it just seems like you could turn one of them into something else if you're in a spot that you're not able to play them regularly so uh, you know you can you can make it work and in, in keeping all three of those guys but if you keep bias around yeah you might end up trading in one of them and that's not the end uh, and, of the world. No, no, um, and you know we have to see what McNeil looks like at third base over a pro- prolonged period of time, which I think he could handle. Um, it just hasn't really happened much or, or gone all that well in the limited time that he's done it. But sure, I don't know. I'm, I'm shortstop. Obviously, is its own beast. But if somebody can play short or can or can play second unless there's a major issue with the second baseman with their arm I don't see any reason that they can't play third right um I don't know maybe that's naive but I, I do think moving guys around in similar positions isn't the craziest thing in the world to force them to do no i I don't disagree with
0: that either um and also you know if if the dh does come into play and Dom is now your designated hitter, then I guess J.D. and McNeil could almost share the left field spot. You know, have a platoon situation with of those guys. Although I think that's probably underselling each of their talents to just reduce them to a platoon role. But, you right. know, people get hurt. These things happen. I don't think it's necessarily out of the question to have one of those guys as your super sub. Like especially McNeil seems McNeil seems to me to be the perfectly suited super sub guy. You know, he can give you days off at uh, second base, at third base, left field. The real shame of all of this is that I think my ILR of the day or ER or Ilyar, as you suggested, of the day <laughs> is going to really suffer with uh, with even less playing time for Jonathan VR and Kevin Pillar.
1: True, but, you know,
0: <laughs> I'm not really upset the, about the this. We, well, yeah,
1: no, we, could, we can still uh, have some fun with it.
0: Absolutely. Nobody has commented, by the way, how I had Willard Scott, who would always celebrate the hundredth birthdays on the Today Show, as the hundredth games hilar of the day. No mm. one has commented on that. I'm very upset about it. I was proud of that <laughs> one. I've been planning that one for a few weeks, and it worked out. And uh, no one cares, but that's all right. The Mets are coming off of a weird week since we last had a podcast. They took two of three from the Blue Jays in a series that was more or less good, although there was a really ugly Saturday night game, and then the Mets lost three of five to the Braves in a series that was less good. I, I think you can pretty much ignore the uh, one nothing loss. Was it one nothing? No, 2 nothing loss in the first game of the doubleheader because that could have gone anyway, right? Th- that's a short game. It's a one-run game. You can't get too mad about that. But the Mets absolutely punted the second day, the, the Tuesday game, and... Uh, then more and then, you know, one on Wednesday and then on Thursday, just got a really rocky performance from Taiwan Walker. And, you know, it, it I know the Braves are not a bad team, but the Braves aren't a great team either. And their best player is not playing for them right now. And so I don't love the the fits that the Mets were given by the Braves. How do you feel coming out of that series?
1: Yeah, not the best. <laughs> Uh, just combined with uh, a you know somewhat underwhelming day uh, with the trade deadline and, uh-huh. and and I don't know just I think they're gonna be fine I I I still think this offense is capable of more than what it's shown all year but yeah that that series against the Braves was somewhat of a bummer I, honestly. Even though the final game of it was a loss, I'm kind of just happy that it's over with.
0: It was also a very long series.
1: Yeah. And 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 look, they finished the year against the Braves. I want the Mets to clinch the National League East before they get to that final series with the Braves. And if that game had been postponed, you know, luckily the um the rain held out more than long enough. But if that game had been postponed, if the Ugh. rain showed up a little bit earlier, that they, they didn't really have many options. Atlanta was not and is not scheduled to come back to play in Queens this year. Uh, and they would have needed to find a mutual off day, one of which was September 27th. And that would have meant four games with the Braves in the final week of the year with something on the line. I, I don't want that. And it's not even that this Braves team in particular um, intimidates me. It's just... Years and years and years of things going wrong playing against them.
0: Yes, it's, it's, we all have Braves PTSD. Yes. Um, and also, I feel like, you know, the Mets have not had the best record in our uh, lifetimes at uh, finishing out a season this, finishing out a season strong, you know, and so any excuse to not play, to not play meaningful games against a good team, I will take. Um, now, granted, the Mets rest of the series season rather looks a little bit easier on the schedule than the uh Braves season does you know there there's yeah. going to be a rough stretch uh in August where they're playing the uh they're playing the Dodgers and the Giants a, a bit but you know you got a bunch of games against the Nationals which we've established now have no one The Marlins are a joke. The Phillies are are a joke, ish. Um, You know, and then September September looks really nice for the Mets because you get a lot of games against the Nationals, a lot of games against the Marlins. You get the Cardinals, who are you know not terrible. You get the Yankees, who, depending who you ask, are not terrible or are terrible. If you're a Yankees fan, they're the worst team that's ever played baseball. um, Because Yankee fans are babies, but they have restocked their team now, so who knows. But I just feel like the Mets have an opportunity to really take a bunch of games right now from lesser teams and not worry about that last series against the Braves. Because I'm with you. I don't I do not want to play the I don't want to have the the playoffs on the line against the Braves. I don't even want to have I, I I wanna I wanna know who I'm playing in the playoffs before I get to the Braves, if possible. Yeah. So we can line everything up.
1: Yeah, that would be nice.
0: Um. Yeah, it's just a weird. I feel like the combination, like you said, of, of the not a lot during the trade deadline, the rough series this week, just the general, the injury, the nonstop injury stuff, has been getting to me a little bit more. Especially because now, now with Degrom and Lindor out of the lineup, out, out of the off the roster rather, it just seems like, you know, we were so this year seemed so primed to be the year. The East is garbage. The Grom is great. We got Lindor, and nothing that's happened the last week has made me feel great about about where the team is right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. What would fix all of this for both of us and everyone else? I think would just be if they have a stretch here where they, uh, you know, win seven out of ten or eight out of ten games, uh, and you know they've played reasonably well. Uh, or well enough to just sort of maintain where they are, but just starting to pull away a little bit in the division instead of sort of lingering in this three to four to five game division lead. Mm -hmm. um, That would be nice. And I I do think it's – the Braves made some moves today. The Phillies did as well, but um, neither of them did anything like what the Dodgers did. In, in getting right. And getting Scherzer and Trey Turner. Um, some of the other bigger names that, you know, changed teams. Chris Bryant went to the Giants. Anthony Rizzo uh, and Joey Gallo to the Yankees. Schwarber to the Red Sox. Um, the the Braves and Phillies didn't do anything today that intimidates me. No, they, they both
0: of their bullpens, which have been trash, you know, and so that's, it means he's going to beat up on their starting pitching a little bit earlier than you would have, uh, you know, you have to beat up on their pitching earlier in the game rather than later in the game. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I, I don't want to feel bad about this team because like you said, the team is still in first. if you had told me April 1st, the team's going to be in first place come August 1st. I'd have been very happy about that.
1: Right. You know, and, and, and they're going to add Javier Baez to the roster that you already know. And Rich Hill. Yeah,
0: you know, yeah, I I think that's, I I yeah. I I just would feel a little bit better with a little bit more of a, with uh, just knowing a little bit more. Sort of. I don't even want to say. Uh, my big fear is Degrom, and and I I think everyone has as as breathed a sigh of relief after seeing he threw a strong bullpen and all that. It just seems to me like. If the Mets don't have Degrom down the stretch, I don't know what they do. Right, Trevor Williams ain't Degrom.
1: No, (laughs) no, he's not. I mean, the the nicest thing we can say about him is that uh, it's just one more option that if Degrom needs more time, yes, you can give it to him. You know, Um, so I'm 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 happy about that. Um, I just wish they had done more. Uh, A a good series this weekend, uh, and then, um, you know, a strong start in August. They uh, Look, the Marlins didn't have a fire sale like uh, the Nationals did, but they traded some players away. Yes. So the Reds are still trying. Joey Votto has been absolutely on fire. I would consider walking him no matter what the situation is, the way he's hit over the past week. (laughs) Uh, But look, if they have a good series against the Reds and if they can – I'm just saying a lot of phrases that make me uncomfortable as a Mets fan, like (laughs) if all the starting pitchers are healthy and if they can go to Miami and win four games. Like, ooh, yeah, no, that – something about games in Miami and Atlanta that is just – Yeah. Things go haywire for them. Um, That said,
0: next weekend against the Phillies, I think Baez might hit the scoreboard a couple times with a home run. Right. <laughs> right. So you know, it that makes me feel a little better. And then going to Nationals Park, you know, I have one really good friend who's a Nats fan and I told him like if you show up at the ballpark with a glove today, you might want to play for the team cuz I don't know, I don't know who they're going to roster for the next for the rest of the season. Um so I you have to feel good about those games against the Nationals.
1: Yeah. But yeah, you know, this this is a time for them to hopefully play well. And try to cushion that, that lead a little bit because uh, I think the Mets can hang in there with, with good teams and they're going to need to come playoff time if they if they clinch the division. Yoda is making a background appearance here. I was going to uh, say, Yoda sounds ferocious. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, he's a tough little dog. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, after this stretch, uh, Reds... Marlins, Phillies, Nationals. Then, then it's the Dodgers and Giants um, exclusively for almost two full weeks. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's, which is fine. I know a lot of times fans, Mets fans in particular, will look and say like, "Oh, that stretch of the schedule, that's impossible." Well, no, it's not. But these next couple of weeks, let's hope that Baez is a, an excellent fill-in at short. Uh, which he can play well until Lindor is ready. And then, you know, you can win some games and hopefully Lindor can rejoin that lineup and play short and move Baez over to second. And you go into those series with those better teams uh, with, you know, a more formidable presence uh, out there. So
0: So, uh, last question before we get to music racks here. Yeah. Um, Who makes up the bench for the Mets once Lindor is healthy?
1: Oh, boy. Uh, (laughs) So, I mean, I guess part of the answer is whether or not you go with a four- or five-man bench. So right now, all right, Lindor and Baez are both in there. I'm just going to mentally bump – I don't know who. Oh, yeah, VR. Yeah, he's the obvious one. So, Bump VR. So, he's on VR, Nito, one of JD or Dom. Mm-hmm. Those are three. Pilar. Yeah, Pilar is four. So, yeah, you kind of have to go with the five-man bench. Um, and then you've got options of, and there's some other guys who are healthy and hurt mixed in here, but Giorme, Drury, um, Peraza. I don't know if Jose Martinez will ever, you know, there hasn't really been a single update since his... uh, That's
0: true. Jeez. I forgot he was even on the team. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact that we've heard absolutely nothing, that that was an injury that he suffered in spring training, he went on a 60-day injured list right away. Um, Or or if he didn't, he got moved to it very early. Uh, I don't know if he factors in. So I guess the question is really... All right, Nito, Davis, VR, Pilar, And then it's basically a question of Guillaume versus Peraza in a world where everyone's healthy.
0: I mean, to me, it has to be Guillaume. Only because I feel like... I feel like the Mets are... Think about the times you would need that player to play. And I feel like it's, a, it's as a defensive replacement at third
1: base. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. That's right. a tough call. <laughs> I mean, Peraza has been so clutch with with his power off the bench. That's the only thing. They both give you something. And I, I, I'm like, I'm a Guillaume fan. So I'm slightly inclined to agree with you on that one. But I don't know. You could option him to Syracuse because by the time that happens and everybody's healthy, you might only be looking at like a week or two weeks before rosters go back to 28 guys. Right. But even when
0: rosters are back to 28 guys, do you necessarily think you need Peraza and Guillaume and Baez and McNeil and Lindor? I, I, I think that they're kind of – I think they're kind of – expend. Uh, one of them makes the other expendable in almost every scenario. Yeah. Especially because I, I would think you'd want to add pitching – For those extra two spots.
1: Oh, yeah, no. uh, In theory, I agree. Um, But I guess it it makes things interesting.
0: Yeah. No, it's tough. It's going to be tough. And let's just have a little round of applause here for Brandon Drury, who has been crazy clutch as well. Uh, And since he was called back up, I think he went eight for nine or eight for 10 since being called back up. It's uh, it's, it's pretty special. Good for that guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see how this roster is constructed in just a few weeks. Um, but you know, I know we've been kind of down today, but damn it, man, the Mets got Javi Baez. That's awesome. <laughs> he's a he's a great fielder and he hits monster home runs. Let's enjoy yeah. that for at least today. Because I'm not yeah. gonna be enjoying the black jerseys tonight. So give me something to enjoy for today.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Same here. I know there are unpopular opinions on Mets Twitter. I was going to say it,
0: we're going to be the pariahs of Mets Twitter for saying this.
1: Yeah. You, me, and Howie.
0: I, yeah. Gary uh, as well. But Gary has not been as um old man yelling at a cloud about it as Howie's been. But, you know, like the other day, who was it? Um, Somebody there was a shot of somebody on the broadcast like just shacking fly balls. I think it was maybe Dom in the outfield. And I was like, damn, I love the blue and orange. It's such a great uniform. The colors just pop. And then like instantly they went to a commercial for the black jerseys. And I was like, Ugh. Oh, that's that's terrible. That's it's, it's just not it's not aesthetically pleasing to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. I've said I know the Mets I've seen it in a couple of places that they uh you know, they want everybody to wear black tonight. Mm-hmm. And I, I've said I am not going to the game, but if I were, I would, like, buy orange shorts to go with my blue shirt. <laughs> I, I've got some blue and orange shoes somewhere. They're just running shoes occasionally come up in that color combo. So, yeah. you know, um, I if I were going tonight, that would be my form of trolling and and wearing all blue and orange and no black. Um, it, it would be like, where's Waldo? you got to find Chris in the sea of black. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just I don't like the blue on black look on anything, and I was so happy when the Mets got rid of these uniforms. That uh, you know, look, they're only here for a few games. If they stay that way, I'm not going to keep talking about it. But sure. um, if they creep back into the point that they become a dominant uniform, that is not uh, that is not my preference.
0: No. I also think that it's one of those things that people are nostalgic for because they haven't seen it in a while. But do you remember anybody complaining when they phased them out? No, no. Nope. That's what I mean. Like, but you know, it, it, it was
1: just like, oh, finally.
0: Yeah. So I, I think once, <laughs> once you know, look, if it's the Friday night uniform going forward, I'm fine with that. That's that's cool, man. I'll I'll limit my Friday night games because I don't like the black jerseys. But you know, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. So yeah. My moment of joy today, my moment of zen to go back to an old uh, daily show thing is just that they got Baez, and that's fun. And I can't wait for him to just hit a monster home run or 15 for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah. So, Chris, what is your music pick for this week? So, we camped last weekend, um, and I don't know, uh, we're just looking to, I wanted to put a whole playlist together. But it was sort of a last-minute decision to go uh, and, and do that. So downloaded a few records real quick. Uh, we are scheduled to, pending everything in the world, uh, <laughs> attend a music festival that's outdoors and relatively small later uh, later this year uh, in upstate New York. And one of the artists who's going to be there is Steve Gunn, who uh, whose name I was always familiar with i had seen him play uh with some other musicians but not his own music and like he's always been adjacent to uh bands i love you know um so finally decided he, all right he's going to be at this festival let me check out his his music and the first album of his that i put on uh it's called the unseen in between and it's It was a great record to put on to be like sitting outside at a campsite. Um, It starts off very acoustic guitar driven. It gets a little more complex as the album goes on, Uh, but it's just good, relaxed, not like sleep, put your sleep music, but just a a nice, like taking it easy uh, album. So that is that is my way of selling it. But if, if if you're going camping at any point, download it, give it a shot, play it there. That was my introduction to it, and I think it was a good way to do it. Or if you're just on your terrace or in your backyard or whatever, and and just you know it's the evening and you're looking to listen to something that's good and interesting, and mellow, mm-hmm. um, it, it's a good spot to go. So uh, and I think the song new familiar if i'm remembering correctly yeah that's one of the longer songs on the record but i it really stood out uh listened to that twice on the first listen uh just to just to get to do it again so yeah steve gunn the unseen in between came out in 2019 uh he's not brand new but he's new to me so that is my rec nice
0: I i like steve gunn's stuff a lot um so my band is uh, partially inspired by Chris, but uh, not for the reason you would think. There's a band that I know very, very little about, and that is a band called The Bronx. They're a punk band. Are you, are you familiar
1: with The Bronx, Chris? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're from California.
0: I know, but they're called <laughs> The Bronx. and That's why. Uh, but they, yes. have a, uh, they have a side project called Mariachi El Bronx where it is uh, a mixture of traditional mariachi music and sort of punk vocals, I guess, is the best way to describe it. And I had come across them a couple of years ago because uh, I was at a barbecue at a friend's house and I I heard, I was like, oh, what is this? Oh, it's Mariachi El Bronx. I had heard of them, but I never heard it. And so they just released uh, last year a two-volume set of rarities, covers, demos, live stuff called Musica Muerta, uh, so volume one and volume two. And what drew me to it is that the first song on it is a mariachi cover of I Would Die For You by Prince, which is fun. And uh, But the album has a couple of really good uh, covers on it. Only the Lonely by Roy Orbison, uh, The Christian Life by The Birds, and um, and some awesome just really good originals. And mariachi music is not something that I like put on very frequently. But whenever I've encountered mariachi music in the wild, uh, I've always really enjoyed it. And uh, it's really fun. If you ever uh when my 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 now wife and I went to San Diego back in 2003 we were walking around after a uh Padres Mets game and happened upon like a mariachi band playing in the street and it was one of the coolest musical moments of my life just seeing these guys killing it just these amazing musicians just playing on the street just you know doing their thing and so um i really enjoyed these two records i listened to them both the other day it was a really hot day and i opened the windows and it just it was it was a very nice listening experience and something very different than what I'm normally listening to. So let's go with that. Let's go with uh, "Música Muerta" by Mariachi El Bronx. So nice. uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you, folks, for listening. Oh, we appreciate it as always. Please go to AmazingAvenue.com for uh, M- Mets news and analysis. We We'll have more on Trevor Williams and Javi Baez as the weekend progresses. Uh, we're also doing, as always, minor league coverage. We're, I I don't know if we're done yet or if we're almost done with the draft profiles from this year, uh, but that those are always excellent reads by our Steve Saipa. You can find Mason Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You find this and all of our podcasts at Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music—wherever you get podcasts, you can find us. Chris is on Twitter at Chris McShane. I am on Twitter at Brian Intenep. And until next time, despite the black jerseys, let's go, Mets!